Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's your girl Jessie Mae. This is the Sharp Tongue Podcast. Grief Survival Guide Miniseries Episode 8, Marijuana and Meditation. We're going to get into how those two things have helped me process losing the most important person of my life, besides my father, who's already dead, my mother, Nancy, no pants Nance, Finley. So thank you guys so much for your support. And as always, you guys can check out the video for this podcast on youtube.com forward slash Jesse May Peluso. Please like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Share it. Sharing is caring. Also, speaking of sharing, I want to share with you guys our sponsors, Mudwater. Yes, they are back. We are back together. Mudwater is like one of the greatest things I have found in the past three years I've been drinking it. I was an avid coffee drinker and that was giving me sharts and it was giving me anxiety. So I was looking for an alternative. I found mud water on my own and loved it so much that I wanted to share it with you guys. We're doing a promo code. Jesse May Mud will get you 15% off your entire purchase at mudwater.com forward slash Jesse May. Check it out. They've got a frother, which I highly recommend the frother. The frother is a game changer for any drink that needs a little mix, but especially for the mud water. Get a pack of their mud, get the can. They've got really good MCT powder that you can put in as a creamer. It's so dope. I love it. I appreciate them being amazing sponsors. Mudwater.com. That's M-U-D-W-T-R.com forward slash Jesse May. And use code Jesse May Mud to get 15% off your entire purchase. Also, we've got Cameo available. You guys can book me on the Cameo app to send custom videos to your loved ones, your friends, your exes, your frenemies. Go to Cameo, C-A-M-E-O. Book your girl to make a custom video. I'm a video ho. Also, we are asking you guys to email us what you think about this question. Where do we go when we die? I want to know your thoughts. Email me at jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com or sharptonguepodcast at gmail.com. Either will get you to me. Where do we go when we die? And as always, I appreciate you guys so much to listen to this episode 
the grief survival guide miniseries episode eight and i appreciate all of your support for the previous episodes and in general this podcast has been a labor of love from day one i always wanted to make it as candid and personal as i could because you know you guys see one side of me and you come out and see my stand up well you used to before the quarantine but this podcast has given me an opportunity to also grow by sharing so it's basically a not safe safe space for me not safe in the sense because i am not editing anything out what you hear is what you get what i say is what you hear there's nothing cut out unless it's something really gross or annoying so this podcast has really allowed me to open up and feel comfortable knowing that thousands upon thousands of people are listening. And by the way, we are over a million downloads. So thank you guys. <laughs> That's crazy to say. Thank you so much. It's awesome. I appreciate it. Tell your friends, share it, retweet. And if you guys have any suggestions for guests or anything of the like you guys can email us at jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com also sharptonguepodcast at gmail.com so thank you guys so so much on this episode we also talk about a little bit of some crazy stuff that happened pertaining to my mom or her ghost you guys be the you guys be the decider you be the judge I thank you so much. I hope you enjoy this episode, episode eight of the Grief Survival Guide miniseries, Marijuana and Meditation. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Hey everybody, I don't know if you can hear the drilling that's going on in my apartment. I hope you can't. I hope you cannot. Because I just pressed play and these motherfuckers just started drilling. It couldn't have been worse timing. It literally sounds like they're in my closet drilling. But lucky enough, we've got some quality recording going on. So we should be good. This is a grief survival guide episode. Anybody going out? uh, Anybody who's in... He can't even talk because I'm so flustered by this fucking drilling. Anybody who's who's experienced loss or is going through loss or has somebody out there who recently died, this is for you. And and you know what? Also, if you're not that person, this is for you too because you will be that person. We all become that person. We all lose somebody and I have been documenting my emotions and goings-ons as I have been navigating through this grief and I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot since our last episode, which was fear and loafing, which I, let me see if I can show you my FUPA. There's a FUPA down here from all the bread and 
if you're wondering how you can see the fupa, you just have to go to my YouTube page in order to enjoy the video. But the last grief survival guide mini series episode seven was fear and loafing. This is episode eight, marijuana and meditation. And I'm experiencing a loaf leftover because I'm still, still gorging on pizza. I am still eating pizza and bread and all sorts of things to fill the hole and the hole will never be filled. That's, that's what I'm learning and what I'm reading about grief is that it is not something to accomplish. It's not something to conquer. It is not something you, you get over. It's something you learn to endure, 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 and I, I read a couple articles about marijuana and grief and loss and Vice had one and there was a person who mentioned marijuana being constructive instead of destructive, which I thought was an interesting point because when you look at like drinking wine, which listen, let me tell you, it is early. I mean, girl, it's 1230. I was about to pour a glass of wine. Then I stopped myself. But then like, why did I stop myself? because I'm worried about what people who, who people who I don't know will think about me. I know I don't have a drinking problem. That's what the, that's what everyone says before they check into the Betty Ford fucking clinic. But I seriously know I don't cause I can go without it. Do I want to No, but I didn't, I did not because wine doesn't always do it for me emotionally. I usually only enjoy a couple glasses, you know, classy, classy lady style. But marijuana, marijuana is a different scenario. I'm going to spark up right now, speaking of. And if you guys have been watching or listening to this podcast, you also know that I interviewed, I was lucky enough to have on the show, a psychiatrist and man of the mind, Dr. Daniel Amen, who expressed his distaste and disdain a little bit of marijuana as I puff this right now hold on I don't recommend smoking with a regular lighter because of the butane in there it gets right into your lungs it's no bueno but I do recommend providing yourself with the self-care that you need and if marijuana's on that motherfucking list, girl, fella, do what you have to do. But Dr. Daniel Amen also described the more detrimental time being your formative brain years, which makes more sense. Like your youth to your teenage time, especially for men, because you guys take a little bit longer to develop than women. But those developmental years not being a great time to smoke weed. Hey, guess what? I wasn't smoking weed then. I basically, you know, started to smoke weed like yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that because your girl is going through grief and I'm interested to see what's going to happen because I am going to be having a brain scan, that SPECT scan from Dr. Daniel Amen coming up here in a few weeks in March, the SPECT scan being the single photon emitted computer tomography test that he will be or scan that he'll be taking of my brain to sort of see the tomography of the brain and see do I have those detrimental divots do I have 
some sort of, you know, cranial damage or some some sort of TBI that I've sustained or, you know, some something to turn me into this attention deficit OCD person that I am. So every time I like a joint or have a glass of wine, I think of Dr. Daniel Amen and it's driving me nuts, but it's also <laughs> a testament to his teaching, but also there's got to be a middle ground and maybe there's not, maybe that's, Maybe that's a pipe dream, but I truly believe that there's got to be a middle ground of, of existence that is a happy medium because you look at places like the blue zones in the world where people live over a hundred years old, they're eating bread, they're drinking wine, they're fucking smoking weed. I don't know about the last part, but I'm going to throw that in there for myself. You know, Sardinia in Italy is a blue zone, I believe. And they're, you know, living to like 102, chilling, eating pasta, drinking wine, giving blowjobs as nanas, just living their best life. So there's there's got to be a middle ground between knowing what's good for you, implementing some healthy strategery, <laughs> and also enjoying a little bit of life. Fuck. You know, it's I, I'm trying to figure it out. And it's difficult. It's difficult going through this grief because I'm also moving. I'm in LA right now in my old place looking at all these boxes and I'm moving. I am going away from LA just temporarily. You know, I'm not hopping on Rogan's bandwagon of going to Texas, even though he says I should. And I've considered it. I'm I'm going to be a nomad for a while. I'm going to be a little bit of a nomad, maybe spend some time with my sister and my niece and nephew and my brother-in-law and my friends from upstate New York, spend some time there because honestly, it's like I've spent 20 years of my career on the road away from my family. And now that I'm an orphan, I'm like, fuck, I got to go back home. I got to go back home. That's how I feel. I feel like, you know, I'm sweating my balls off just thinking about these life changes. It's, I've got to, I've, I've got to get back close to Emily. And it's, it's a matter of having the ability to do that. And that's why I'm just going to move back home. But it's not, it's not without stress. It's not like it's the easiest decision for me to make. Moving fucking sucks. Okay. And not only that, I'm in this place where I do not give a fuck about what I look like. I mean, right now I'm looking kind of cute. Like I've got my boobs out a little bit for you, my you, my you boobs for YouTube, my YouTube boobs. And I brushed my hair and I put on a little bit of lipstick. So generally that's not not giving a fuck but I've been moving things and I realize how much I don't give a fuck because (laughs) I've got my dry shampoo you guys know I fucking love dry shampoo a bitch washes her hair once a week that's how it's gotten so long and it's so healthy because I only wash it once a week not that you give a fuck. And also I'm giving myself compliments, acting like somebody out there is giving me that compliment. Oh God, your hair's so long and beautiful. No, I just said it to myself, but it truly is. And it's because I never wash it. And I never wash it because I haven't really given a fuck. And I haven't given so much of a fuck 
as to when a mover came to buy something or to move something that someone had purchased because I've been selling, literally selling everything. I know you guys are like, you're so rich. Why are you selling everything? First of all, I'm not rich. Second of all, I love a fucking bargain and I love to bargain. So I've been using OfferUp and it's really hard to not check my OfferUp while I'm sitting here because I've got five messages and so you know it's also strange because then people will be like oh my god I'm such a big fan of yours which isn't strange because I get it but it makes me feel a little bit like I get a little freaked out only because I'm a woman and we're we tend to be the ones that are murdered in the world but anyways that's neither here nor there so this adorable fella comes over to pick up a piece that I sold I sold a huge couch and he comes in and I have quickly Prior to him showing up, I'm like, well, I, I got to be somewhat presentable. Quickly sprayed my hair with dry shampoo. No, I sound different because I put a joint in my mouth. I, I sprayed my hair with, with dry shampoo rather quickly. Okay. He comes to the door. We're chit-chatting. I'm talking to him because he's got muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. Okay. Homie is looking like he lifts in his sleep and you know i have been ovulating for for months and obviously because that's how it works as a woman a woman and also been going through all of this emotional stress and i haven't gotten a good pounding in a while so you know things are throbbing and i can't help it so i'm putting out the vibes while this muscular man is moving my couch and then you know i'm chit-chatting helping him carry it down and oh my god you're so strong you're so strong And then we say goodbye. You know, it's just, I'm just flirting and being silly. And then I get upstairs and realize I didn't brush my dry shampoo out. So it just left white streaks in my hair all throughout my hair. I looked like a woman who only got electrocuted in certain areas of her hair or that I was like 38 going on 90 because it was all white at the root. And this motherfucker wasn't flirting back. He just probably felt pity for the crazy Grey Gardens bitch who let him into her house while she was selling stuff off like some sort of gypsy. Moral of the story, just realize when you don't give a fuck that there are physical effects of that. You know, there are things that can arise where you're not looking so cute. So as long as you don't give a fuck, hang on to that memory. Hang on to that realization. But that's the one thing about going through grief. I haven't given a fuck about what I look like. That's not to say that I haven't like, you know, like brush my hair and put on a little bit of mascara when I've gone out. But I'm not double checking shit, obviously. I'm double checking nothing because most of my energy is going to healing. And there's also off of this vice article that I read that I will also I'll post the link in the description of this podcast episode excuse me there's people don't talk a lot about the physical effects of grief and there's a woman who mentioned that who had lost her husband to cancer I believe he had cancer and she talked about the physical pain that was associated with grief and that's something I really want to get into you know it may be in the next episode because I'm still reeling off of the mental and emotional side. I haven't even given thought to the physical pain that can arise from it. But 
there's so much of the emotional side that is exhausting. And so when you're, you, and you don't even realize, like you don't have to be thinking about your loved one every second of the day for it to have an emotional effect on you. You know, we're really good at pushing our emotions aside to deal with our day to day. And we don't realize that just by pushing it aside, we're not not dealing we're in fact causing a little bit more friction within our being because those emotions don't just get erased, you know, and they don't, they don't go away. And I think that's where the physical effects can happen. That's where these, these physical anomalies can, can surface, you know, in physical pain, when you don't deal with the emotional pain, well, the emotions will cause physical pain because they need to be felt. And so I've definitely experienced aches and pains and my sciatic nerve, which sounds like such an old bitch thing, but I think anyone can experience that. I've had a lot more ticks and things happening, I think, because I have tried to organize my life so that I can move and do all of these things. So I've pushed emotions to the side a little bit. And some of it's probably still denial. You know, some of it is probably me just masking feeling the emotion as much as I'm somebody who is not afraid of it. I'm sure subconsciously I'm like, I caught myself the past couple days where I'm having to move and I start thinking about my mom and I literally shake my head to get it out of my head so that I can do what I need to do and pack up. And it's really hard. You know, that's where grief gets really difficult. And I can't imagine people who have children, people who, you know, don't have a job like how my job is where I can schedule my own things and do the podcast and sort of weave around it a little bit. People have other responsibilities and commitments that are set in stone like children. So I can't imagine the difficulty of that sort of management mixed in with the management of your own emotions. So I feel fortunate in that I have some levity, leeway, and space to do what I need to do, but it's also still really fucking difficult and really exhausting. Do I feel guilty that I'm shaking my mom out of my head? Yeah, there's been times where I'm like, sorry, mom, I I gotta pack plates right now. (laughs) You know, I've gotta deal with real life. And, and And that's the thing, we say that. We push our emotions away to say we have to deal with real life. What's more real than feeling what's more real than healing what's more real than dealing I just wanted to rhyme on the last one seriously though what's more real than feeling the loss of someone you love there's nothing more real than that so we've got to eradicate that sentence from our language oh I've got to deal with real life bitch this is real life does it get any realer than this and and by the way what life is worth living if it's not for other people So carve out some time to accept the loss and deal with the loss of those people that you love. But I got to tell you guys something really funny. (laughs) In Syracuse, before I left to come back to LA to deal with everything here and pack up, I was driving down one of the roads leaving my sister's apartment or her house, her apartment. Oh, no. Now she's in a house life. She's a housewife. Oh, damn it. I was leaving. And I saw a wallet in the road. 
and I was going to keep going. And then I stopped and I literally thought to myself, what if it's the wallet of a really hot, burly man in upstate New York, a man who just lost his wife and him and I can bond over our mutual grievances. And then we fall in love because of our (laughs) mutual loss. I seriously thought this to myself. Let me pull over and grab this wallet so I can have my lifetime slash Hallmark slash Netflix movie moment. Because now Netflix makes those cheesy movies too. But I mean, let's let's call it what it is. My lifetime made for TV movie of me falling in love with Lance, the lumberjack who just lost his wife in a terrible car accident. Maybe not his wife. Maybe he was already separated because I feel like a wife is really hard to replace. No, a kid is worse. We'll go with wife. <laughs> I was going to say his son, but that's so much darker. Like we don't want to kill the son. Let's, let's let go of Lacey. It was Lacey and Lance. Lacey was his wife that he really loved, but she wasn't as great as me. So I'm picking up this wallet only for the very, very slim chance that I'm delivering it to a very attractive man with a beard and a truck and uh, money and a job and uh, emotional availability and very nice knuckles, but also a very big heart that he has access to. Basically, none of the men that I've dated up to this point. That's the only reason I'm picking this wallet up. I pick up the wallet and I realize it's not a wallet. It's one of those user manuals of your car but it also had a lot of important information in it It had id tags and insurance cards so i'm like okay this guy obviously needs this i'm gonna be totally saving his life he's gonna i'm gonna knock on the door i went first of all let me say that i brushed my hair and i put on some mascara for this potential husband of mine and you know i'm imagining him opening the door offering me to come in and have a cup of coffee and talk about our loved ones who have passed on. And then he fucks me in the butt and I leave. That was what I was thinking was going to happen. And then we fall in love. But, you know, whatever comes first is fine. Either he comes first or I come first. The lady should always come first. That's neither here nor there. So I'm like hyping myself up. And you guys know I've talked about being an eternal optimist. That's what's gotten me through most of the trauma in my life. I have this insatiable capability of finding the good in everything. And I say insatiable because I am always looking for the good. And sometimes you come to a place where you feel there is none. I am not that person. I will continuously look for the good in everything. And I think it's just ingrained in me as a small child you know uh, maybe because my parents separated when I was young and it was something I did to survive that time in my life so I'm using it here in this scenario where I'm going to be finding this husband of mine and he's going to be so grateful that I returned his car wallet which let's be real no one ever really looks into right you put your ID tags and your insurance cards where you really need them but apparently this guy left his important paperwork in the fucking wallet. So 
I drive through the neighborhood and I literally say to myself, oh, it's nice, you know, like trying to imagine his socioeconomic status. Not that that's all that matters, but let's be real. I'm not dating any more couch surfers or motherfuckers who don't have their feet set on the ground and have their life somewhat in order and know what they're doing. So I'm like, okay, he's living in a cute neighborhood. I pull up to his house. I was like, oh, he's got his own house. So I literally like do a last minute check in the mirror and look and see how cute I am. I have my mask on because it's fucking COVID. But, you know, I was really opening my eyes wide to let him know, like, hey, DTF, DTFIL, down to fall in love. I knock on the door and I get ready for my lifetime movie husband to answer. And the door opens and this bald 70-something curmudgeon of a man answers the door and I go okay I can work with this (laughs) he's like yeah and I was like this dropped in the road he went huh opens the door takes it out of my hand and shuts the door thanks I think he might have said thanks I could be imagining that because I wanted to again make the moment better than it was and then I literally think to myself okay I gotta go back to LA I need to go back to L.A., get out of this town for a hot minute, pack my shit up and figure out what my next moves are, because I am out here picking up street wallets in the hopes that it's going to be my husband. Like a bitch is she needs to figure her shit out. I obviously have been caught up in the grief cloud that I've lost touch with reality, you know. But before I left, my sister went away with the kids and her husband. So I had the whole house to myself and the dogs. I had the dogs with me. And there's something, there's something about being alone and in quiet and silence that can connect you to your emotions. And it's really important when, while you're grieving to find time to do that, to find time to be away from everything, devices, dogs, family members, children. And I know it's hard. Not a lot of people can have that luxury or opportunity to get their own time, but it truly is vital for the healing process. And so my sister and her kids and her husband left. Everyone needs space, even your family. You need to miss each other. You need space so that you can literally have room to grow emotionally and and spiritually and metaphysically. So she left and It was so quiet. I was a little somber because it was the first time I was alone since my mother had passed away. And the only other time being when I traveled and drove cross country from L.A. to New York. That was the last time I was alone. And that was in November. So it was this big shift in energy for me to sort of make note of and to manage and set myself up for so that I made sure I used it to my advantage and exploited each moment for the good. And so the first thing I did, and I've talked about signs, you know, I literally read a book called Signs and uh, so much of that book was representative of so many things about my mom, but I also think that people gravitate towards talismans or good luck charms or items that are already sort of popular in the culture that already sort of exist as 
a thing. So like my mom and I, we have a thing with dragonflies and her and her mom had a thing with hummingbirds. Well, those are two very archetypal imagery uh, items within life. You know, they're things that people gravitate towards. And so I was reading this book and they mentioned a couple of those things. And I was like, well, I guess it's kind of hard. That's why you have to ask for specific signs. This woman was saying, I forget her name. She's a medium. Um, I'm trying to get her on the podcast. I would love to have her on the podcast. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, you guys know, I've, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put the link to the book in the show notes. It's called Signs. And it's about signs from beyond, you know, your loved ones. So my sister leaves and I ask my mom for a sign that she's here. And I couldn't think of anything specific because all of our specific things, like I said, are popular talismans that exist in life so I just set a sign you know because I was alone and I I wanted to I wanted to feel her near and I should preface by telling you guys two other things that happened with my sister when I was in her presence and I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast prior but speaking of signs and things that I couldn't have asked for and I didn't ask for a a couple months ago in my sister's kitchen my sister was over washing dishes and I was just sitting and she was talking to me about something I forget what it was I literally heard in my ear clear as day a snap and it wasn't like internal like a eardrum popping or pressure changing it wasn't like that it wasn't an internal snap it literally was an external right next to my ear snap just one and it I I looked and obviously there was nothing there I looked and it was my mom ha it was just so clear and I I was like Emily did you hear that and she said no and I was like the weirdest thing just happened I just heard a snap in my ear and um it freaked me the fuck out and she was like oh I didn't hear it and then you just sort of you find a way you either you do one of two things you rationalize it and make it make sense within the environment and landscape of our physical life which is oh it was probably something in the other room or uh, something probably fell or you know one of the kids farted whatever it was or you accept that it could be something else and so I did I chose to accept it was something else I chose to accept <laughs> I don't know, my mom snapping in my ear it's not anything that I could relate to my mom in a specific way but then again it's very strange and almost so out of place that it made me go what was that? And the other thing that happened that was really, really bizarre that I still can't understand how was now my phone, I had it set when I was at my sister's to go off and be on, you know, like a black screen immediately to close out because there's kids around and to have it be on lock screen so that you can't do anything or open anything because kids like to, they're little nosy bastards. You guys know that they get in your phone and there's 47 photos of the ceiling and six of your ass and four of their face. That's what kids do. And 
I locked the phone and I plugged it into charge. And I, I also closed out of whatever I was working on, which was Instagram. You know, I wasn't doing much that day. I locked it, plugged it in so that it was on a lock screen, charging, doing its thing. The kids weren't even there. Nobody was even there to touch the phone. I go down and talk to my sister who's in the gym. I come back. The phone is open like this, bright, like somebody was on it. And it was open to, this gives me chills. I have chills down my neck. It was open to my mother's photo album on my phone. I wasn't even in my mother's photo album. I wasn't looking at photos. That wasn't even something that was open when I left it. And no one has my screen password. That freaked me out. Not in a bad way. I just was like, how? There was nobody there. And I'm sure there's some computer tech nerds that can rationalize it and tell me what it was. Don't. I don't need your rationalization. I don't need your logic. I don't want anyone to go, oh, well, it could have happened if you did. I don't even want to know. Belief is powerful. The placebo effect. Let me have a placebo effect of belief in this grief time that my mom somehow connected to me through a snap and her photo album. So let me bring you back to when the day my sister left and me being in the room asking for a sign for my mom. Now those two things, I didn't even ask for a sign. Those two things just happened. Now the day my sister left, I asked to see my mom or a sign. I don't know if I'm ready to see her, but And I think I might have even said that or thought that like I wasn't ready to see her, you know, you know, not like I always think of that movie Insidious where the red devil sitting right over the the shoulder of of Rose Byrne or her son and, and the mother freaks out. That's how I picture my mom would just show up. Obviously, she wouldn't. She wouldn't be that much of a bitch. Well, I don't know. I don't know my mom, how she could be posthumously. She could be a little sneaky hell. Sorry, mom, not a hoe, but you know. So I ask to see my mom and then I go about my day. I did some podcasting. I, you know, played with the dogs and cleaned up around the house because I am an anal retentive person. I, cleaning has been something that's really helped me during grief. We have cleaned every nook and cranny in my sister's house and there's still more to do. Just went about my day. Totally forgot that I even asked for a sign. And then I was sitting in the living room, the den, watching TV. All the dogs were asleep. We were all kind of winding down and the day was coming to an end. And there was a noise in the kitchen. Loud enough so that all the dogs were woken up out of sleep and they all turned and looked in the direction of where the sound was coming from. It just was one single sound. And this gives me chills. (laughs) And I go inspect because when a dog notices, that's when you got to go and be like, okay, uh, what's going on here? So I go walk into the kitchen and on the floor, a photo that had been tucked up since my mother died in this little nook had fallen on the floor and 
I actually have a photo of it at my feet. And I sent it to my sister and I said, well, I heard a noise in the kitchen and this was there. And she was like, shut up. Look, we could say the photo shook loose. It fell because it, it, you know, unstuck itself, whatever. On the one day, the day my sister leaves, the day I say to myself, I'd like to see my mom. And this is where we can rationalize and try to make sense of it in our physical world. But why? And, and look, I could be wrong. Maybe you need to do that and that helps you grieve and that helps you heal more to know that it's not them. Maybe it's easier for you to process it being something that's just explainable. But is that you processing or is that you shoving it down? You have to ask yourself that because what could feel like processing is you avoiding. There's a fine line between that. So just be honest with yourself about what you're really after and what your intention really is. Because for me, I obviously want to see her. I want to still have a relationship with her. And I saw that photo and I was like, oh shit, Nancy's in the house. (laughs) Mom's in the house. She's here. And I thanked her. I was like, thank you, bitch. Next time, can you bring some wine? You know, how can we everything in life advances our all of our technology advances why, why can't the ghost technology advance a li- advance a little you know where's the hologram life i don't know if i'd want that i don't know if i'm ready for that i think the only way that that would happen is like with ayahuasca or a real real trip on shrooms but it definitely it didn't scare me it was a little shocking i definitely was taken aback like what how I kept I just asked single words I was like what how who when where and sometimes why I it was there were too many coincidences me asking to see her Emily being gone I was alone you know who knows if the house was full if we'd even noticed that that had happened it probably would have been picked up by one of the kids and thrown or ripped or who knows. But the day my sister leaves, the day I asked to see my mom, this photo falls at my feet and I choose to believe it's her. (coughs) Sorry, I was choking. Maybe that was my mom coming through my throat. I choose to believe it's her. I need, I need to, that's my way of coping is that she's still here and maybe that does some damage I don't know maybe it does damage if you continuously torture yourself I don't feel tortured I feel an immense weight that fluctuates between being lifted and getting heavier every day some days it feels lighter other days it feels heavier and it's just this constant fluctuation of emotional weight that you are carrying around for the rest of your life there was another thing in this vice article featuring a video of someone who was mentioning you have to learn to live with them and without them at the same time 
And that's exactly what it is. You know, I've talked about having a different relationship with my mom and learning how to have a different relationship with your loved ones once they pass because you still have a relationship with them. And I equate it to when you are away from your loved ones, when you don't see them, they're not technically physically in your life, but they're still in your life. They're just out of reach. They're just around the corner. They're just a phone call away. Well, not a phone call because my mom's dead and I can't do that. And it makes me think of that Black Mirror episode where you can like message your loved one and then they also turn them into an AI that has all of their likenesses and their idiosyncrasies. And I just think that's too much. No, no, that's too much. I don't want that. Whatsoever. It's too freaky. So I I just, I feel like... <laughs> You know, these little notes, like her leaving. I feel like she's leaving me little messages in the way she can. Who's to say it's impossible? When you look at the way we live, literally on a rock, floating in nothing, surrounded by nothing that's expanding into nothing. So it's so far-fetched to think that we can connect with one another within different realms of existence. Death is just another realm. Death is just another stage in life we don't have the capability of understanding. That's what I truly believe. And it could be a release. No one can tell us. No one has come back from death to tell us. Well, there are near-death experiences. I take that back, which is something I want to get into on another episode. But and that, to me, there are accounts that people have that have some proof that there's something beyond this. And, and what, who are we to say that experience isn't a form of proof? Even though it gets a little tricky because people's memory is not as dependable, but memory and experience are not mutually exclusive. One can help and feed the other, but the emotional imprint that happens to you from an experience, that's to me, something that is worth investigating and worth having a conversation about. Because I'm not here to prove one person wrong or one person right or one theory wrong or one theory right. I think there's enough space for those things to exist just for us to drop a picture and a conclusion for ourselves to help us heal. And if I need to think or believe that there is something beyond death, a way to connect beyond, then that's, that's my motherfucking prerogative. You know, and, and and the thing about marijuana and meditation, it helps me process those emotions and it helps me get into a space where I'm open to that. I've talked about the phonetic sound, the phonetic pronunciation of alcohol. Alcohol. It like hauls you down. It's a depressant. It has a totally different reaction and a totally different experience. I, the past couple nights where I've had a couple glasses of red wine, towards the end of the glass, I'm like, I miss my mom. I'm like sad and depressed and I want to cry and I'm thinking about sad things, which isn't a bad thing. Sad things aren't bad things. But accompanied with alcohol, it's not for me as present of an experience. It's, it's depressive. And then we talk about marijuana phonetically. Marijuana? 
I mean, literally, it's like, do you want to be Mary? Yeah. And that's the experience I have with it. You know, until I find out my scans are showing otherwise, marijuana puts me in a place where my perspective is altered enough for me to be open to receiving a different understanding when it comes to processing emotion. My emotions aren't as scary. I'm able to understand my emotions from a place of love instead of a place of fear. I'm also able to be present for myself and for my own healing. I'll start the day with meditation. I was so pissed at myself when I got to California because my schedule got all switched up, mainly from the time change between New York and California. But also, I had been with my sister for three months and her kids and sort of adapted my previous schedule into her schedule so that we were, I was still maintaining what I normally do, which is wake up, meditate, um, have like an hour to myself in the morning. I got my mud water that I drink every morning and I, I have my crosswords because I'm a 90-year-old bitch. You know I love some crosswords. Every morning I got mud water, my crosswords. I read the news. I plan a little social media for the day. You know, I got my morning routine. I got my regular morning routine. And then take care of the dogs, work out. So I, I did that every morning at my sister's place, you know, meditation, a little bit of ganja ganj, a little bit of morning ganj, hello, a little bit of morning marijuana, good day ganja. I I had my own routine that I developed. So when I got here to LA, it sort of got messed up a little bit. And also... I had a streak of meditation and I'm fucking pissed that I broke my streak. I'm somebody who likes to see the progress I'm making. I need graphs. I need data. I need to see how what I'm doing is improving so that I can keep doing it. That's how I function. And so when I woke up, I got to LA and I went to bed that night, woke up the next day and remembered my, remembered my meditation. And I went onto my app on my insight timer app and I was like, damn it. There goes all my progress. But only from a data standpoint does the progress go away. Meditating every morning for me has truly helped me, A, manage my sister's household chaos because of the children and her own chaos because her and I deal with stress and emotions totally differently. I feel like she has a lot more on her plate. So it's harder for her to be present because she's a mom and taking care of a whole house and two toddlers. Very hard for her to find time to carve out for herself to be present, which creates a little bit more of an anxiety situation for her internally. Me, I have had the luxury and tools to learn how to manage my anxieties a little bit differently and maybe, maybe a little bit better. So meditation has given me the time and the space in my mind to create space to be able to handle and not absorb the anxiety and stress in the house because that's where you start to really fuck up your flow and your vibe energy is 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 everywhere and energy everything has energy you know when you when you were talking about like 
organic objects like people and in places and you know energy is a really important thing to a protect and b be mindful of how you give it off and what type of energy you give off one of my favorite things about energy that i've read is that there are three types of people who come into a room pertaining to their energy that they bring in the first person makes the room worse the second person leaves the room neutral and the third person makes the room better so it's all about your energy your exchange of energy and your absorption of energy and so with meditation it has helped me manage the energy within me and around me so that I can protect my own so that I'm not quite as exhausted meditation has literally given me energy and has given me time to process and it doesn't have to be I think people get a little overwhelmed when they think about meditation like they have to do this like hour transcendental what do they call it transcendent trans transam whatever that type of meditation is that I can't think of I think I said it right you don't have to be do you don't have to do this big involved meditation studies have shown that a present five minute meditation i mean being fully present in the meditation has similar beneficial effects as an hour meditation it's more about the consistency it's more about doing it every day and it's more about you having some sort of schedule with it so if you can only do five minutes do five minutes if you can only do one minute of deep breathing it's better than nothing so instead of freaking yourself out with this daunting task of an hour meditation set yourself up with one minute start with a minute add a minute each day and trust me it is not woo woo this isn't shit that hippies do on the west coast and it is as well but (laughs) i am here to tell you that it works it has worked for me and the the what it provides is invaluable space in my mind and my heart and my being to be present for myself so that I can be more present for others in my life. That's invaluable. That's, that's where people are lacking in their life. And marijuana, I mean, I can't say enough nice things about marijuana. Like if, if there were an award show and I had to give an award speech, I'd be like, coming up is my girl, my man, my everything. He, she is there for me when I'm sad, when I'm happy, when I'm hungry, when I'm bored, when I'm in need of inspiration, when I'm in need of a shoulder to cry on, you know, it's, (laughs) it provides me with insight, perspective, love, insightfulness, creativity, inspiration, empathy, sympathy. It's just, it's got everything good for you. Marijuana. It's literally, it deserves an Oscar, it deserves a Tony, an Emmy, a Zippy, a Yippy, um, the Hastings thing from Harvard. It deserves every award that you can imagine. YouTube is that a thing? I feel like the YouTube Awards. It's combined together, marijuana, marijuana, and meditation. I have really created a space for myself to feel the emotions surrounding grief that can be so fucking overwhelming. You feel like you're going to collapse and sometimes you do and that's okay. And that's where marijuana and meditation 
provide you with the perspective to understand that it's okay to not be okay. That it's okay to ask for time to go not be okay alone. And furthermore, to talk more about the phonetic, we've talked about alcohol hauling you down and marijuana being like, yeah, do you want to be merry? Well, mushrooms, for me, I don't know if this is anything anyone's ever said. I haven't heard anyone say it, but I was thinking about the phonetic aspect of mushrooms. Much room. And I think that's what mushrooms do. They sort of clean out your brain and your being and and your thoughts so that you have more room for love and perspective, similar to marijuana. But I think, you know, marijuana is marijuana and mushrooms are much room. I really think that they create much room in your body and your being for you to be able to literally look on the brighter side. And it doesn't mean that it's always a bright experience. Sometimes you can have a heavy, challenging experience with mushrooms, but the effect of it and the the positive outcome of psilocybin far outweighs anything that I have read or experienced. And I'm still a novice when it comes to mushrooms. And that'll be something, you know, in a further episode, another episode further down where I will do some mushrooms in, in podcast uh, pertaining to grief and talking about my emotions. I think that what I've experienced personally and also what I have read about psilocybin is that that's what it does. It creates more room in your being, in your metaphysical being, and in your heart, in your soul. And it helps you have a perspective that allows you to process the fucking pain, trauma, and brutal emotions that are associated with loss and grief and and also just emotions that are are happy not necessarily these negative heavy emotions but also the emotions that are beautiful it can even provide more perspective on so you know for me am i smoking marijuana yeah am i eating pizza yeah do those two things go hand in hand yeah yeah um, you know, my cousin Allie came over here. If you guys, you may have seen her. She's been on a couple things with me. She also just got an amazing, amazing, amazing promotion, promotion. I can't even talk. She works in the record industry and she works for Atlantic and she just got a VP position over there. So I'm so proud of her. Allie Bianchi. She's a badass in her industry. She's also my rock out here in LA. She came out here last year and I was telling her to come out here and now I'm leaving, but that's okay. No hard feelings, no ill will. Her and I are about to book a a bougie vacation and go and show our tits and our tats to everybody on the beach. But she came over when I got to LA and she's like my, my puffing partner. And we puffed, we went and had some sushi. Ooh, ooh, I love some hamachi. Let me tell you, hamachi, yellowtail with ponzu and jalapeno, high. Uh, salmon and blue c- crab roll, high, high. With some caviar on top and a little bit of ponzu sauce as well, high. Ikura, high ikura. It's got the highest amount of DHA. Salmon roe, you better get on that shit. Dr. Rhonda Patrick will tell you all about it. Not Rhonda Rousey, but Rhonda Patrick, who is a neurologist who talks all about the healthy brain fats you should be eating dha vital the point is my cousin and i got stoned we went and got some sushi 
and we came back and we chilled. And to me, that, that night that we spent together helped me deal with grief because it was a reprieve from dealing with grief. And you also need that where you have a break, a respite from dealing with the emotion. That is as much of you dealing with it as you, you know, as you actually being in the middle of those emotions and honoring them. There's such a give and take that I've realized. And so we come back and we're chilling on the couch and we smoke again. And then we ordered a second dinner (laughs) of pizza, mozzarella sticks, chips, I'm sorry, chocolate chip cookies, Rice Krispie treats, and a brownie. Now, what's Dr. Daniel Amon going to say about that? Probably not good things, but I want to make myself accountable for when I have my brain scan and I can be like, oh yeah, that's where the brownie and the chocolate chips and the pizza and the mozzarella sticks came in. Was that good for my brain? Probably not. Not going to get rid of the weed though. And sometimes when you smoke weed, you need some motherfucking mozzarella sticks. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. But it was just such a necessary moment for me. And that's the other thing, like, as much as weed can connect you, marijuana can connect you as a medicine to the emotions you need to feel, it also can provide you with unique experience that might be a break from those emotions. And that's just as important of a healing process as actually being in those emotions. And so it's, it's like I said, it's a give and take. You, you honestly learn, as Bruce Lee says, to be like water. When water is in the glass, it becomes the glass. When water is in a bowl, it becomes a bowl. You have to be more like water. You got to go with the flow a little bit and let the form of the healing guide you instead of trying to shape the form to fit how you think you should be healing if that makes any sense. And that's what I have learned through this process. And having those signs from my mom, I'm going to believe they're signs. I don't want to get over her. I almost made it through the podcast without crying. (laughs) I don't want to get over this bitch. I never will. My mom? Fuck. It's the love of my life besides my dad. I I was born from her. Those little tiny fucking hips. I didn't come through a vaginal hole. They had to cut me out. They had to cut me out. And that's a bond that lasts lifetimes. That's a bond that it's not meant to get over. That's why the pain is so visceral. I mean, there's so much birth pain associated with babies being born that it only makes sense that when our lives are lost, our loved ones' lives are lost, that there's pain almost equal to that experience. It's pretty equivalent and it's hard to put into words. And I appreciate you guys so much for allowing me to be open and raw and real about these emotions that I'm feeling because I truly believe if you guys feel that I can get through this that you'll be able to feel like you can get through it I don't know why I had such a I white knuckled that statement like it was something really profound and prolific but I honestly believe by sharing 
you guys won't feel as alone. And you also know that your healing is your own process. And it's, it's your own responsibility. All of your individual healing is your responsibility. So just remember that when you go out and you get offended by shit, that maybe you have some healing to do. You got to find some space and ask for space and make requests so that you can be there for yourself so you can be there for other people. You know? And if a person in your life goes MIA, a friend or a family member, and they're not as communicative, they don't get back to your texts or call you back right away. I'm not saying they're dead in their apartment, but they could be. You might want to check. I'm saying they could have experienced a death because I've gone MIA to a lot of people in my life and I'm dealing. I'm dealing as as good as I can, as well as I can. So if I haven't called you back, don't get mad. I'm going through some shit. Just remember that. If people go MIA, don't write them off. Keep hitting them up. I've got a few friends that keep connecting with me and keep letting me know that they're around. And just because I haven't gotten back to them doesn't mean I don't appreciate it. I just don't have the capacity. But just know that, you know, if someone goes MIA, maybe somebody's dead or maybe they are. So you should definitely put a, you know, a, a, APB out for them. <laughs> but I am here to tell you that marijuana and meditation has helped me be more present in my own emotions. It's helped me create space so that there is a place for those emotions to exist and a space for me to request time to honor those emotions and that marijuana is constructive instead of destructive alcohol can be a little destructive but marijuana honestly creates more of a conversation in your mind that is healthier it's it's a productive conversation instead of you you know when you get drunk you're like oh man i'm such a dirty slut and when you're high you're like man i'm a slut and then you find ways to be like, oh, this is awesome. I'm not a slut. I'm only drawing up a, an analogy that maybe some of you slutty hoes can relate to. <laughs> some of you hoes can relate to. I feel that it's important to spread the word. And I am open to Dr. Daniel Amon's professional constructive criticism about how I'm living my life and ways I can improve but I fucking love marijuana and I love red wine and I love bread and pizza and cheese and I won't fucking apologize but every pivot can set you on a new path to become a better version of yourself so just remember that and and know that there are ways to compartmentalize that benefit you. And there are ways to compartmentalize that will destroy you. You have to be the one to decide in what ways can you adjust so that you are allowing yourself to heal and to not conceal your emotions. So I hope this episode was helpful for you guys. I hope that you know that it is a healing process you are going through and there's no right or wrong way i am only sharing what i've experienced and that everyone's individual experience is just that it's an individual experience and process so don't if you need to fucking shut everybody out shut everybody out if you need to order pizza three days in a row fucking order pizza three days in a row if you need to spray dry shampoo into your hair and not brush it out and give a fuck what you look like in front of the cute muter mover do that 
cute muter. I mean, if he was mute, I'd love him even more. Wouldn't be any pressure to have a conversation. But honestly, this is a healing process. You will get through it, motherfuckers. And I hope you find your sign. I hope a picture falls down for you. I hope a, a hummingbird farts in your window, whatever it is. I've mentioned farts a couple times on this episode. I hope you find your sign. And I hope you find ways much like marijuana and meditation has made me present for myself. I hope you find ways to implement into your own healing process to make yourself present for yourself and and the emotions that accompany grief. It's so fucking heavy. (laughs) You motherfuckers will get through this, man. I promise you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. You will get through this. Let Brad Pitt know how cute I am. Okay. Bye. Oh my God, I almost forgot to answer one of your responses to where do we go when we die? I got an email from Gentry Stevens who says, Jesse May, my sweet friend, first off, I really hope this email reaches you. Well, it did, Gentry. Gentry, kind sir. Do you own a rather large chateau? Do you enjoy tea? Okay, Uh, he says, I found your podcast from listening to you on Rogan and I've listened to every episode since. Not only are you hilarious, but I feel like I can relate to you in so many ways. From morning coffee and blunts. Yeah! To your love of hiking. I do love hiking. Just your free spirit, period. I want to thank you specifically for your grief miniseries. As you release those episodes, I simultaneously was going through a huge breakup. I fled an abusive relationship I did not even fully realize was abusive until it hit me like a ton of bricks. Been there, motherfucker. Been there. Uh, I just, okay. I was going through a peak in my spiritual awakening. Wow. To say the least, my entire existence was in complete and utter chaos. Those episodes not only made me laugh when all I could do was cry, but they helped me understand that what I was going through and feeling was completely normal and okay, because you literally were going through hell with me. That's right. I'm no stranger to trauma. It's been nice to hear someone be so real about what living through so much shit can do to a person and how to climb out and dust yourself off like the bad bitch you are. Your authenticity is refreshing and it truly helped us heal. Please know that. Well, thank you for saying that. Anyway, to the main point of this, where do we go when we die? I think when we got when we die, we go to the astral plane. But more importantly, we gain full loving awareness, awareness of what it is and what it is to be and what the next step is. We then get to review our past lives and make the decision if we are going to go back into this cycle on Earth and attempt to break it down once again. Or if we're going to stay in the astral plane for a while and help guide others still on the earthly plane home. I think we are multidimensional beings. So that being the case, our loved ones never really leave us. They're just on a different plane of existence. See guys, that's what marijuana made me realize, but always guiding us through. My father passed when I was 12. I always have just known in my heart that he never really fully left me through meditation. Hey, I've gotten a lot of clarity on this. I told you guys. It's hard to describe in words, but I think if we all just let go over the fear that we have created about death, not only can we raise our consciousness, but we can live fully aware as a collective in a loving energy. Fear is low vibrational energy and it is pushed into us specifically for control. Though through meditation, you can see there's nothing to be afraid of. We are all truly, we are all truly soul that never dies. 
Yes. As Ram Das once said, death is not an error. It is not a failure. It's like taking off a tight shoe. Thanks for everything, girl. I love you and keep kicking ass. XOXO Gentry. Damn, Gentry. Dropping some fucking multidimensional knowledge, some soulful knowledge. I agree with that. I think you have hit the nail, hit the death spiritual nail on the head. Guys, we are all full of love. And fear, although I don't think is completely unnecessary, especially when you're out in the woods, fear can help you survive. Fear can be useful, especially through your process of it. I do think love will set us free. So I hope this podcast helped you set yourself a little bit more free. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.